Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 102. This is one of my favorites. And I am your host... And the guy who woke up this morning with a sore ankle and foot, I have no earthly idea what happened. And you older listeners probably know what I'm talking about. You go to sleep feeling fine, you wake up in the morning, and something's just hurting. (laughs) I guess I need to ask my wife if I happen to maybe have kicked her in the middle of the night or something. So I'm not worried about this a whole lot because I know in a couple of days I'll feel better. And we are 160 days, 11 hours, 33 minutes, and 18 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I've got plenty of time to recover. So do you guys ever have those weeks at work when a task or a project gets dropped on you that you weren't planning on at the time? A very big and important task or project? one that has to be done perfectly and properly, or it can have a major effect on the operations of the organization? Well, welcome to my work week this week, where I have had that huge project get dropped on me, and I've got a week to complete it. And not only that, but I've got my normal 40 hours worth of work to do, in addition to the huge project that's going to take me about 60 hours to complete. So, with all of that said, I'm going to ease out of the Turkey Hunter Podcast World Headquarters in just a few minutes and leave you guys with an oldie but a goodie, one of my favorite episodes. But before I go, I do want to give you a little something new, and I want to give you some quick news bites for you guys. I know all of you Oklahoma turkey hunters out there know this already, but those of you who live in a nearby state may not. So the Oklahoma archery fall turkey season opened Saturday, October the 1st. And this is a great opportunity for some of you guys to make some quick plans and arrangements to get in the turkey woods, perhaps before your state's fall turkey season starts. Oh me, oh my oh, turkey season starts Saturday in Ohio. And due to a huge cicada hatch in parts of the state, biologists are stating that this year was an excellent recruitment year for wild turkey poults. So according to an article by Dave Golowinski on www.dispatch.com, hens in District 4 in southwest Ohio this year are averaging 4.53 poults each. That's pretty dang strong. 
If you compare that with what he says hens in District 2 in northwest Ohio, which is an area outside of the cicada outbreak that they had this year, each hen averaged only 1.84 poults. So you see what that extra protein a poult gets in its diet by eating insects can do to help it grow quicker and be able to weather the weather and withstand those rainy days that we get. And to further prove the point of what a difference having food for your turkeys can help do for your turkey population, the statewide average this year in Ohio is 3.64 poults per hen, and you compare that to last year, the statewide average was 2.4 poults per hen. So a little more than a 50% increase in poults per hen, and biologists are attributing a large part of that to the cicada outbreak this year. So I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for a second because you guys who listen to the show regularly probably have heard me make mention in an earlier episode that I'm a huge, huge fan of the Andy Griffith Show. And all of these statistics make me think of one of my favorite episodes, the one where Opie gives three cents to the underprivileged children's fund. And if you haven't seen that episode, have never met Horatio and want a good laugh, Go to Google and search Andy Griffith Horatio. That's H-O-R-A-T-I-O, Horatio. Now, if that doesn't make you laugh, then I'll give you your money back, guaranteed. You know, it's a shame they don't make TV like that these days. All right, I got to get back on track now. So, Missouri season opened this past Saturday on October 1st. And state officials are predicting a pretty tough fall season with fewer birds due to a very wet spring. They didn't have a lot of rain, according to officials, but they had a lot of days with rain. And poults cannot withstand being cold for such a long period of time. So that's really hurt the turkey population in Missouri this year. Now let's flip-flop for a second. And if you're planning a fall turkey hunt in New York, the New York Department of Environmental Conservation recommends that you try St. Lawrence County. They're saying that birds are plentiful there. So, for all you hunters in New York, you may want to look at some public land opportunities there in St. Lawrence County, and I understand there are a few. Okay, so this next little news bite that I want to give you actually has the wheels in my head turning a little bit. So, you Minnesotans out there can now purchase a wild turkey critical habitat license plate. And I want to read this to you guys real quick because I'm pretty impressed with this. According to voiceofalexandria.com, the Minnesota legislature created the Critical Habitat License Plate Program in 1995 to provide additional opportunity for Minnesotans to contribute toward conservation. Motorists who purchase a Critical Habitat Plate pay a $10 initial fee plus a minimum annual contribution of $30 to the Reinvest in Minnesota, or REM, program. Every dollar generated through the sale of the license plate is matched with private donations of cash or land. The annual $30 contribution is not tax deductible. Critical habitat license plate revenue has generated more than $59 million to acquire or improve 22,000 acres of critical habitat and helped fund non-game wildlife research and surveys, habitat enhancement, and educational programs. So you can find more information about the program on www.mndnr.gov slash plates. So I thought that program was pretty interesting. So I'm going to get 
political for just about one minute here. I've always got mixed emotions about the government being in the land business. And I like it in the respect that it opens up opportunities for more people to be able to hunt and fish and enjoy the outdoors. But I'm not a big fan of the government being in charge of really anything because I have a hard time finding or thinking of one thing that the government has taken over from private individuals where the government has actually improved it. That's not a political statement to the left or the right. That is my opinion, and that's the way I feel. So part of me says this is really a great program for more opportunities to be opened up for more people to experience the outdoors. But there again, other parts of me say, okay, the government, again, does not need to be in the land business. There are other things that the government needs to be worrying about other than land. The government has enough land as it is. They don't necessarily need any more. So I thought the program is pretty interesting. I'm going to leave it at that. For you Minnesotans that are interested in purchasing a tag, I've given you the information. You can look at that. All right, so I'm off the political soapbox. And now that you guys are up to date on what's happening in the world of wild turkeys and turkey hunting, let's jump into the meat of today's show. So here's the replay of one of my favorite hunting stories of all time. If I hadn't been there to experience this, I don't know that I would believe it. So here's my good buddy, and he's going to be mad at me for this. Yankee John with... with the Texas Turkey Decoy Massacre, and I will see you guys on the other side. Well, tonight I've got on the call with us my good friend John Rowell, who lives in Virginia, my Yankee friend, as you heard in the previous episode where we talked about his Missouri turkey. And this episode, I kind of hinted around at it last on the other episode that we've hunted with some outfitters who've not been real good. This outfitter, I believe, is at the very bottom of the list of outfitters that we've hunted with. In fact, I don't even think this outfitter was an outfitter. Do you? No, no. He was a he was a deliver deliver you to a piece of property, and here's a, some keys to an extra vehicle. Uh, see you later, guy. Yeah, he was. He was we he, don't he, even know if he owned this place that we were hunting. A good chance he did not. Because <laughs> he sure didn't act like it. He got our money. He said, "Here's the road that runs through the property." See you later. And I'm off to town. So, yeah, the Yankee's back. And, and for any of you Southern boys that want some turkey hunting tips, you can you can reach me via Andy. I'll be, I'll be more than happy to help you out. <laughs> whether, whether, yeah. whether, whether you live in the deep south, the middle south, wherever it might be, I, I may be able to give you a couple pointers. But, yeah, the, Yankee, yeah. the Yankee's back. The middle south is more like Montgomery, <laughs> maybe Clanton. No, I think maybe uh, is it, it, uh, Huntsville. Not, oh no, that's that's out. Yeah, that's yeah, out the north. That's out the northern south would be like Coleman, you know, those areas there. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That, 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 that does make complete sense. I, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Once you yeah. go north of Coleman, Alabama, you're you're pretty much a Yankee. You're in Yankee town. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, got my Yankee buddy back here with me, and we're gonna tell the story not about the outfitter because there is no story with the outfitter. No, I don't. I literally, you, you know his name. No. Do you ba- no. I barely recall what he looked like. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup if you showed me. Any, even if you gave me a lineup of people and you pointed to him and you said, this is him, I, I couldn't pick him out. He collected, I would say, he, he collected our cash at the gate and said, drive this way. Here's, here's an extra truck. 
that's, basically that's, that's what happened. Right? Yeah, yeah. He that's was, basically what happened. He was outstanding. <laughs> and on this trip, we had a big group on this trip. There were seven of us. Yeah, there were a pile. There were a bunch of us on this trip, which you know obviously adds even more pressure when everybody's trying to get a bird. But but obviously you know we're going down to Texas. We're gonna go hunt a bunch of stupid rios. You know, no problem, right? I mean that's yeah. that you know whatever. Yeah. Nothing. If you believe the hunting videos that you see in the hunting shows on Outdoor Channel, going to Texas and shooting a Rio should take you no more than about 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and, that, and that's where we were. And especially at that time period, I mean, this is what was early trips for us. And we were like, well, we're just going to go down there and we're going to walk out in the field and hit some Rios in the head with a stick. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was that was what we were thinking. And then, you know, we, we drove a half mile under this property and every turkey we saw in the field ran for its life. Like like we had a, a Gatling gun or a, a 50 caliber mounted on top of that daggone truck. Yeah. And that was kind of the beginning of a, this might be a little harder than we thought. Yeah, and it ended up being much harder than we thought, although we all did kill turkeys on the trip. And it was difficult. The turkeys at this place would fly down from the roost, hit the ground, and walk towards the property lines gobbling the whole way because the owner of the property was not feeding the turkeys, but all of the neighbors were feeding the turkeys. And in Texas, of course, it's legal to feed. It's also legal to hunt turkeys in the spring with a rifle. And I'm sure that this quote-unquote outfitter had had several hunters there in the in that season, earlier in that season, who went there with rifles and taking pop shots at turkeys out in these cow pastures and out in these fields. And that's why the turkeys would just absolutely run from you when they saw a vehicle. Those turkeys, so, those turkeys, Andy, when they saw a vehicle, would run for their lives like oh, they'd yeah. been shot at dozens of times from a truck. It was oh, yeah. the craziest. Because, you know, how many times have you seen a turkey and you're in the truck? And the worst thing you do is stop and look at them, right? Then, then they're going to get hurt. Yeah. But if you just kept going, you're just driving down the road. Those turkeys ran for their lives at the place. <laughs> it was insane. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Well, we had one turkey in particular that we had a couple of run-ins with in one of the, uh, I wanted to say cow pasture, but it was actually the pasture where this gentleman kept his horses, if it was his if it was his property and his horses. But anyways, where somebody <laughs> kept some horses. And if you want to call them horses, but there are a couple of them out there that look like horses, yeah. <laughs> so, so this pasture was alongside the main road that you have had to drive in to get to the camp house. And once you went up this road to the camp house, the road split off in other directions and you could actually travel the road off in the other directions and they'd take you out to the paved road that in turn you would drive back in through the main gate and this main road to go back to the camp house when it was time to eat lunch. So I think two days in a row we had seen this turkey out in this horse pasture or skeleton of horse pasture at about one o'clock in the afternoon and one o'clock in the afternoon in texas in late april is texas hot big time i mean it it those days we were there it was hot actually i guess the first day we were there the first night it rained about 44 inches that night that might be a little of an exaggeration a little bit of an exaggeration i think it was close to 60 inches man it rained it, it may have been it may have been but so after two days of hunting, I think, and I'm not bragging, 
but I think I was the only one that had killed a turkey. Yeah, yeah, I think and you're, we were there you're, for, you're right. As much as I don't want to admit it, you're right. Yeah, I think we were there for four days. And the only reason I killed a turkey is because we kept going to one area where we heard a turkey gobble, but the turkey would not come. And the area was, was probably 50 yards from the property line. And I just had the guys drop me off there and let them go on. And I sat there and waited. And the turkey comes bebopping off the neighbor's property, eating corn. I could see the corn feeder after I shot the turkey. He came underneath the fence from the neighbor's property, and I shot him. I mean, there there was no calling. There was no anything. I was sitting there waiting on this turkey because he'd been gobbling in that spot. We'd heard him gobbling there for a couple of a couple of days. So I knew he was there and he was coming back in there. So I just waited on him and he showed up. But there, there, goes, that, saw, there, there goes that story about you sitting there clucking and purring and came right into you all bowed up. The truth well, comes out. So anyway, we, we saw this turkey in this horse pasture two afternoons in a row, one o'clock. And the third day of the trip, we're all kind of sitting around the camp, and John looks at me and he says, what time is it? I said, well, it's about 12 o'clock. He said, I'm going hunting. I said, I know where you're going and I'm going with you. He said, let's go. So we loaded up in the vehicle, drove past the horse pasture, parked the vehicle out of sight, and made a beeline for the two trees that were outside of the horse pasture and put our stuff down there got our decoys out and we typically do not hunt with decoys never yeah but yeah with this being an afternoon setup we kind of figured that we needed some decoys out there and given the fact that for all practical purposes we're sitting out in the wide open yeah we're on you said there's two trees but i mean just so everybody knows there are two trees and that is it. No, hey, nothing oh, and, else. And two, one, two trees one and cactus. One pair of cactus. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. But the cactus was a good 40 yards from us. So, you know, that was offering no cover. But, yeah. So, we're sitting, what would you say, maybe 10 yards from the, the barbed wire fence of the pasture? Yeah, 10, 15 yards, something like that. Close. Really close to where it cornered up. Yep. And we took the decoys and put them, like any smart hunter would do, inside the horse pasture. Because that's smart. Well, that's, I mean, and, that's, that's, that's where they were. And, yeah, at the time it felt smart, for sure. Well, you know, it really, it kind of did because we didn't know where the turkey was coming from at that time, at that point in time. Yeah. We just knew where we'd been seeing him. Exactly, yeah. Which is where we put the decoys. Yeah, there's a lot of, strate- so, there's a lot of strategy on that placement, but that's where they ended up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, after we get the decoys set up, what happened? Well, so... That's when all the excitement got going. So we sit down, and he said, well, you know, we got a couple, there's two, it was two hen decoys. And it was those, you know, it's a little soft, styrofoam, squeezable, you press them mm-hmm. down decoys, nothing fancy, not like the crazy blow-up ones you see now or any of that, that stuff. It's normal decoy. Put, the, uh, for those of you that, that have turkey hunter for a while, I think, uh, and I don't think they're around anymore, was it Feather Flex? Is exactly what they were, yeah. Foam, yeah. just the thin foam decoys. Yeah, so go ahead, John. Cheap, cheap as hell, and you could, fold, you could literally fold them in half, put them in your vest, you know? Yeah. So we put those jokers out, and we sit down, and I look over there, and it's the middle of the day, and it's hot. I mean, it's hot. And he pulls out a box call, box call, front box call. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I'll make some calls. All right, good deal. And he lets out a nice yelp, nice sweet yelp. Yelp, 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 yelp. Nothing happens. 
he goes and lights off another series. And as soon as he lights off that series, and probably, what, maybe 70, 80 yards from us, maybe, you know, it's close. And we're like, both shocked because it's 150 degrees. It's the middle of the day, right? At the same time, like, heck yeah, because it's been two days and nothing been happening. So this turkey gobbles, and he proceeds to continue to gobble. I mean, he he is gobbling good. And while we're yelping, though, these two horses, and it was two of them in that whole damn field, right? (laughs) (laughs) These two horses come, not walking, running over to the corner of this horse pasture. I mean, running like they're trying to get away from the blue man. I mean, probably the fastest these horses have ran in five years. I mean, they were hacked. <laughs> they were. They were so damn old. It was pathetic, you know? Big swayback horses. I mean, I don't even understand why you would pay to feed these things. And so they get all the way over there. And the first thing, and so then this turkey's still gobbling. And Andy's still calling. And we're not calling to him like crazy, but he's calling the turkey's still gobbling. And these horses come over. And they get up to the decoys, close to the decoys. It's a cloud of dust because, you know, it's hot, dust going everywhere. And, and they start pouncing around in front of the hooves while they're looking at these turkeys. Now, I mean, I you know, guess they're expecting these turkeys to run off, these wild turkey decoys. <laughs> and this turkey continues to gobble. And this one horse reaches down and nudges the decoy with its with its nose. So I look over there and I'm like, you know, <laughs> The, the typical stupid question, you see this? And so and this one horse is nosing the decoy. But any kid, he's not letting up. He's still calling the turkey. The turkey's still gobbling. I mean, we're still, we're in full-on hunting mode, right? And next thing you know, this one horse <laughs> grabs the turkey decoy by the top of the head, like right on the top of the head, and grabs it and flips it up in the air and throws it up over top top of its head. And it falls down, and he's kind of stomping around around it, you know. I guess like he's trying to kill it, like he's mad at it. I don't know. And so he's going after this turkey. Well, the other horse, he's his buddy and goes, well, if my buddy's going to take it out on one of these turkeys, I am too. And he grabs the other decoy and starts thrashing it. But he doesn't throw it straight up in the air. He grabs it by the head and starts shaking it left and right like a daggone dog. Going crazy. I mean, going nuts. So there's a turkey front air with one horse stomping on it. There's another turkey decoy. There's another t- turkey decoy. The other horse got it. It's slashing it side to side like it's a, a lab pulling on a, a pull toy or something, going nuts trying to destroy it. And But this turkey's still steady gobbling, steady gobbling. And <laughs> we're sitting there going, this is, you know, sitting there basically, we're not talking at this point. Turkey's close. The horses are 15 yards back on away. And we're looking at each other like, can you believe this crap is going on? And We're not talking because I can't breathe from laughing. Here, I'm trying not to move, but I am watching. And, and it's just a, it's one a, of the funniest it's, things I've ever seen. It's a yard sale. I mean, like, this shit, <laughs> there's stuff everywhere. And so the, the, the turkey's. The, the, the horses get done thrashing the turkey decoy, and the one horse decides to grab the stake out of the ground and eat it. But when he tries to eat it, he leans his head way back up, and the stake slides down his throat, and he starts to choke on it. So there's horses out there. There's one horse that's stomping on decoy. There's another horse that is getting choked by a turkey decoy stake. Quite possibly is going to die right there in front of us. I mean, literally choking himself out. He's got it so far down his throat, he can't get it back out. So, I mean, he's like freaking out, coughing and going nuts and shaking his head. And right as this is going on, this gobbler steps out in the field. 
like literally, right when this horse is like trying to cough this turkey steak out up out of its neck, this turkey is gobbling walks out in the field in a full strut. I mean, just puffed up in a full strut. He's angry and ready to get it on. And he walks like four steps into the field, and he comes out a strut and looks around, and, and you could just see it if you were that turkey. And his head goes, "What the hell is going on?" If turkeys could scream, he would have come out of the woods going, oh, yeah, I'm here, girls. I'm here, ladies. Y'all get ready. Yeah. And then, ah! That poor gobbler walks out there and goes, there are dead hens everywhere of horses jumping on them. And there's a, another horse rearing up on the hind legs trying to cough something out of its neck. I don't know what it is. I mean, aliens landed, essentially, for this gobbler. And so he comes out, and I'll give it to him. He's stayed in strut for three, four steps. He comes out of strut, and he's like, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. Uh-huh. And so he pr- proceeds to just, I mean, not a little bit. It's a Rio. They don't fly. And they're not like Eastern. They're not getting, getting. They're going to run, right? So he starts to run. And as he's running, I swing, because i got to let him get past the horses. As much as I probably should just shot them, too, and put them out of their misery. I have to let him get past the horses. And I go and I shoot, and I blew the head off a cactus 